It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Wednesday episode, my co-host Rob Rang. We had a jam-packed show coming your way as we start to dive in to this week's upcoming matchup between the Seahawks and the Dolphins in Miami. From the best-selling authors of the Daily Stoic comes the ultimate stoicism guide to success, resilience, and virtue. To accept what you cannot control and adapt to what you can, a philosophy sports teams across the country are successfully adapting. Live to the Stoics, the art of living from Zeno to Marcus Aurelius is available now wherever books are sold. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. We have talked so much in the last several weeks, Rob, about the incredible start that Russell Wilson is off to this season. He just surpassed Patrick Mahomes for the most passing touchdowns through the first three games of his season. He has 14 of them. Should have had 15, but he's got 14. Still the best mark ever through three games. And The numbers are just flat-out ludicrous. 13.6% of his pass attempts this year have been touchdowns. A 76-plus percent completion rate. A QB rating of 139. It is one of the most impressive starts at any position group that I've seen in NFL history. And that leads me, I wrote an article about this this morning. I know it's really early. We aren't even to October quite yet, but... Does Russell Wilson have a legitimate opportunity, in your opinion, to be able to take down Peyton Manning's mark of 55 touchdown passes in a single season? I think he does, Corbin. Uh, I think that this offense uh, is set up for him to do that because that not only is Russell Wilson playing at an incredibly high level, we, we've talked about it time and again, the offensive line is playing better than expected. You know that you have the absolute superstars at wide receiver. The defense is just hemorrhaging passing yards themselves. So so basically the Seattle's offense has to be able to score enough points if they're going to attempt to win the game, of course. And the coaches seem to have adopted this let Russ cook strategy as well. So I think that there's a lot of reasons to believe that there is a possibility that Russell Wills can do that. As you just mentioned, he is the leader uh, at this point through three games uh, with those 14 touchdowns. Of course, Peyton Manning, according to the article that, that you wrote, um, it's now at Seahawks uh, at Maven and CXSI.com. Um, if, if Wilson is going to keep up that pace this fourth week of the season against the Miami Dolphins, then all he has to do is throw what basically is just 
typical for him now to keep up with that three touchdown to three and a half touchdown uh, per game average. Peyton Manning was the one who had the high point uh, with 16 touchdowns through four games um, in, in the past. He did that in the 2013 season, the season that Seahawks will remember what happened to, to Peyton Manning in all of those touchdowns when they actually faced the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, if Russell Wilson is going to be able to get to that magical 55 touchdown mark, he does basically have to average three and a half touchdowns the rest of the way. I absolutely believe that he can do that and win the MVP award along the way. It was interesting when I was doing all my research and compiling the numbers here, and I actually went through every single game, game four, game five, game six, so on and so forth, as the season progressed to see what player held the record for the most touchdowns up to that point, because Tom Brady in 2007 had 50 touchdown passes, the first player in NFL history to reach the 50 touchdown mark, and game seven and game eight, He actually was on a faster pace than what Peyton Manning was in 2013. He had 30 touchdowns through eight games. He was on pace at that point for 60 touchdowns, slowed down a little bit in the second half. Peyton Manning also had a really impressive 2004 season for the Colts where he had 44 touchdown passes after 12 games, and he slowed down some towards the end of that season as well. Patrick Mahomes being the most recent to get to the 50 mark, he had 50 back in 2018, that same season that he started with 13 passing touchdowns the first three games. And so when you look at those numbers, and I put this together in my article, right now Russell Wilson's averaging over four touchdowns a game. It's very hard to believe he's going to be able to continue that pace. Right now he's on pace for 75 passing touchdowns. He would obliterate Peyton Manning's record. That is most likely not going to happen. There will be a few hiccups in there where maybe he only throws one or two touchdowns in a game, and that's going to lower that pace down some. But realistically, he has to throw 3.23 passing touchdowns per game. If you look at his career in perspective, he only had 31 games with three or more touchdowns in over 120 career starts going into this season, but he's done it all three games. He's had at least four touchdown passes in all three games so far, and this offense just looks so different with them throwing more on early downs and putting the ball into their best players' hands. And the way the defense is playing right now, too, they have to win shootouts, which means you're going to be letting Russ throw the ball a lot more. And so I think those variables are going to set him up favorably to be able to crush his previous record of seven games with three or more passing touchdowns, which he accomplished two years ago during the 2018 season. He's already got three of them. He's got a great opportunity to do that. There will be a few games maybe he doesn't get quite as many passing touchdowns, but it's realistic. I just think this would be an incredible stretch of brilliance, and and obviously there's going to be some luck involved there too. Can you get to that 55 mark? It's it's a marathon trying to do that. And we've seen time and time again quarterbacks come out red hot. And Russell Wilson's had a couple seasons where he's thrown a bunch of touchdowns early. And then that pace got slowed down tremendously. So I'm not going to say it's easy, but he is definitely set up right now with the weapons that he has. I think that it's not far-fetched to believe that he can average a little over three passing touchdowns per game the rest of the season, especially with some of the teams they're going to be playing in upcoming weeks as well. 
And that that's the thing is that you know you consider the the offenses that the Seahawks played those first three weeks of the season they were some of the most explosive in all of the NFL um, you know and and that's part of the reason why I am you know basically asking Seahawks fans to kind of calm down a little bit I, I know everybody's freaking out about the defense just giving up all those yards but you know we'll we'll see what happens when you're playing against some of the teams that don't have quite as much explosive firepower on on the offensive side of the ball. This upcoming opponent, the week four Miami Dolphins, I think that this is an underrated team, and I'm excited to kind of break them down. But at the same time, I don't think that anybody is going to confuse Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins receiving core with, with what we saw a week ago with Dak Prescott, um, you know, in, in the three-headed monster, four-headed monster that, that the Dallas Cowboys brought out at the receiver position. So uh, to me, that, that's going to be a big part of this, is there's no question in my mind that Russell Wilson has that type of talent, that there's no question he has that talent as far as the receiver um again the 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 play callers i think they're a little bit more willing to allow russell wilson to throw the football it just comes down to whether or not the seahawks need to do this um you know if they are if russell wilson and the seahawks are already well ahead in the late third quarter there may be some games that that you don't have to keep them out into the you know into the fourth quarter and be able to get some of those kind of garbage scores that you often have to have if you're going to be able to break a record like this one at the same time because the Seahawks defense has been as bad as it has because every game has come down until the to the fourth quarter then I think that's absolutely a possibility when I go back over that that 2013 Denver Broncos roster that that 2007 New England Patriots roster that that helped Peyton Manning and Tom Brady establish such a high water mark for touchdowns you really do see uh, a, a great deal of talent besides the quarterbacks Randy Moss and Wes Welker catching all those touchdowns uh you know for Tom Brady and of course Demarius Thomas, Wells Welker, Julius Thomas catching so many touchdowns for the Denver Broncos. Fortunately for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, he has the skill position talent around him to help do some of the heavy lifting as well. And I think the other X factor here is the pass protection. It has been so much better than we're used to seeing from the Seahawks. And if they can maintain that high standard or just be in that realm and they're, and they're not the same poor offensive line that we have seen time and time again protecting Russell Wilson, if he's got time in the pocket like that, Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer are going to be much more comfortable letting him throw the ball a lot more. I think in the past that's been one of the reasons that they haven't let him cook as much because the offensive line wasn't going to protect him enough to allow him to do so. So if that line keeps playing well, that is only going to aid his chances here. So there's a lot of factors in his favor, but again, that is a lot of games that you are going to need to rack up touchdown passes. I don't expect he's going to continue to be quite as crazy good as what he has been these first couple weeks because these are just outlandish numbers. He's not going to get to 70-plus passing touchdowns. If he does, it's, it is easily the most remarkable season in NFL history, and everybody's going to be applauding an instant MVP there if he does that. But he's still got a very good chance. This is definitely something that people are going to be watching closely as the season progresses to see if Russell Wilson can keep pace with legends like Brady and Peyton Manning, those very memorable seasons that they had in 2007 and 2013. When we come back in the second quarter, it's time to start dissecting Seahawks-Dolphins. We're going to look at Seahawks' offensive matchups against Brian Flores' defense in Miami. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Now more than ever, it's important to show your support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us in our communities. Because they know that where you shop, Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks Podcast Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Seahawks getting ready to go on the longest trip that an NFL team can make in the intercontinental United States, flying all the way from the Pacific Northwest down to South Beach, South Beach to play the Miami Dolphins, an upstart Dolphins team that Rob has been very competitive these first few weeks. Don't let their record fool you. They had the Buffalo Bills on the ropes the week before. They were competitive against the New England Patriots, and then last week they beat down a Jaguars team that I thought was surprisingly good the first two weeks of the season. They made them look pretty bad on Thursday night football. Yeah, Corbin, you mentioned the head coach, Brian Flores, as we were uh, transitioning from the first quarter to the second quarter, and I'm happy that you did so. Um, you know, for considering that, that last year was his first as the head coach um, in Miami after previously working with Bill Belichick and New England Patriots, I really was impressed by, by what he was able to get this Dolphins team to do. Uh, I really thought that the Dolphins were among the least talented teams in all of the NFL. There was a lot of talk that they were going to basically forfeit their season to be in position to get one of those elite quarterbacks. They didn't have a great year, finished up with 5-11, and 11, but at the same time, they played hard throughout the year. They played better as the year went on, and so it really was some coaching, really was some enthusiasm um, that, that Flores uh, was able to, to show um, and to get his young team to, to play uh, as well as they did for him. And and they're just doing the exact same thing now. As you mentioned, I mean, that's going up against two division rivals and two very good ones at that in the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. And the Jacksonville Jaguars were the team last year that kind of had some people surprised just because of the, the Gardner Minshew magic factor that, that he brought. But, of course, the Miami Dolphins have some magic of their own with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and I think that this is a very formidable uh, opponent. You mentioned the huge travel. Obviously, the Seahawks are feeling pretty good about themselves right now if they're 3-0 start and all this talk about their quarterback possibly breaking NFL records and, and competing for the MVP. To me, this is a dangerous letdown game, and the Miami Dolphins are a good team that will spank the Seahawks around a little bit if they don't come into this game very much focused on the task at hand. Yeah, I don't like using the term trap game, but this definitely could be a trap game when you have to make that trip, and this is just a, it's a better football team than advertised, and I, this is a game I had circled three months ago 
that could potentially be a difficult one for Seattle. Just because I do have great respect for what Brian Flores is building down there, and there's a lot of young talent. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, what can you say? I told Bobby Wagner this today in our Zoom press conference. He just seems to age like fine wine. You know, he's one of those guys that seems like the longer his beard gets and the more teams he plays for, the better he plays. And he's just been playing really well the last couple weeks, and he's really galvanized this young Dolphins team. But we'll talk Fitzpatrick some in the third quarter. Let's talk offensive matchups for the Seahawks against a Miami defense. They made some splashy free agent signings. They've got some young guys that are going to be out there as well. Unfortunately, their biggest free agent signing, Byron Jones, again was out at practice today. He is banged up. Who knows if he's going to be able to make it back for this football game. And their other starting corner, Xavion Howard, who has one of the biggest contract positions in the sport too, both those guys are injured right now. Howard probably has a better chance of playing, but this is already a secondary that's had some trouble giving up some big plays and a lot of yards after the catch. If it sounds familiar, we know Seattle's had their issues, but this looks like yet another matchup that DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and company should be able to potentially feast against a banged up corner and safety unit for Miami. Yeah, it's absolutely that possibility, Corbin. I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins listed six players on their Wednesday practice reports, uh, as, as far as their injury report, I should say. Um, of those six, five of them play in the secondary. Uh, a couple of safeties um, and a couple of the, in the, in the two starting corners, as you mentioned, Byron Jones still out with a groin, groin and Achilles injury. Xavier Howard with, with a knee injury. Xavier Howard was able to practice on a limited basis per, today, on uh, Wednesday. Byron Jones did not participate. And, and so the, the fact that the, the Miami Dolphins do have a very talented cornerback duo that, that potentially may not be able to play this game, that it could be very much like what we saw uh, a week ago with the Dallas Cowboys, where not only is Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, et cetera, et cetera, able to be successful, there might be some very easy plays uh, for for the Seahawks to take advantage of this team. And this is a this is a good, talented team, as we talked about before. One of the Miami Dolphins' three first-round draft picks this past year, um, they spent on a corner uh, in, in Noah Ng. Bog Aguini, uh, which I always butcher his name, and I apologize if I just did again. But at the same time, while his name may be difficult, his coverage skills, his actual athletic talent is, is phenomenal. And so this is a little bit better team, I think, in the secondary than maybe Dallas was a year or a week ago. We talked about their young player, Trevon Diggs, who did make some splashy plays, including ripping the ball out of DK Metcalf's hand for that one touchdown that, that got away from Russell Wilson. The same thing here with young Noah, the cornerback for Auburn. Not only does he have cover skills, he also has straight line speed and great hands. And so if the Seahawks, again, try to get too cute uh, in the secondary, I believe that Miami has the guys that can take the ball and return it back the other way. I have to believe if Byron Jones and or Xavier Howard is out, though, where you can most take advantage of this team is working out of the slot. So maybe that's Tyler Lockett. Maybe it's Freddie Swain getting some reps there. David Moore has played some out of the slot. I just think this is going to be a game where you can get some big chunks of yardage manufactured in yards after the catch. 
And the Seahawks have been much better in that category than they had been the first two years under Brian Schottenheimer. And I think a lot of it has to do with scheming. These guys are getting open, and then there's a lot of room in front of them to create yardage. And obviously, they're also having those big splash plays downfield as well. Those opportunities will be there. But I think this is a game where that short to intermediate game, you might be able to bust a few short passes and end up getting big yardage against this defense. If they have to start moving some guys that have been playing the slot to the outside, your depth is compromised. With that said, I also think this is a game where the running game could come to life. Right now, the Miami Dolphins have the eighth worst run defense in the NFL in terms of yardage giving up. They're giving up almost five yards per carry. They've had issues with giving up touchdowns on the ground as well. They've struggled a little bit with quarterbacks running the football. And so maybe Russell Wilson factors into this as well. But it sounds like from what Pete Carroll said today that Chris Carson has a pretty good chance of being able to play in this game. And even if he doesn't, Carlos Hyde, you signed him for a reason. He's a 1,000-yard rusher a year ago with the Texans. Hasn't gotten a lot of run here the first three games. He can handle being the bell cow for a week if Chris Carson, they decide to give him a week or he doesn't get near as many carries as he normally does. You can turn to Carlos Hyde. You've got DJ Dallas, who was finally active last week. Maybe he factors into this a little bit as well. There are some good linebackers on this Miami defense. That being said, it seems like their defensive line has struggled at the point of attack and That has made it difficult for those linebackers to be able to make the plays. And teams have had success running the football. Seattle at some point is going to have a big game where that run game is present. I think this could be the matchup, even with what they've got on the outside and the way Russell Wilson's playing, that we could see both these running backs, Carson and Hyde, maybe even Dallas or Travis Homer, really have a field day and find a lot of success, especially if it rains, which is in the forecast right now. Yeah, I think I think the weather is a significant factor. Uh, we talked to before about, obviously, with Russell Wilson, and if it's a rainy, soggy kind of a game, um, then that obviously is going to lead to uh, the Seahawks most likely wanting to run the football a little bit more, um, you know, and, and so that would make some sense. Now, the, the the injury to Chris Carson we talked about before with his knee getting twisted in that Dallas game if Chris Carson is able to play in this game that much better for the Seahawks but I really do believe in, in Carlos Hyde um, I mean of course a former first round draft pick by the San Francisco 49ers a few years back out of Ohio State ran for over a thousand yards um, as Houston Texans bell cow a year ago this isn't just a quality backup this is a legitimate starting NFL running back that the Seahawks have serving as their backup. So if Carlos Hyde is the one, then then I really do believe that that Seattle should be able to run the ball on Miami. I would disagree with you slightly, Corbin, just because I thought that the Miami Dolphins really were gashed by the running game, especially Cam Newton in that first game. But, you know, so were the Seahawks in some regards when it came to at least Cam Newton and uh, and the red zone. But at the same time, each of the last two weeks, their run defense has played a little bit better. Um, And so I don't know that this is a team that necessarily the Seahawks are going to be able to gash. You mentioned the Byron Jones and what a big free agent addition he was. Another one would be Kyle Van Noy, uh, who, uh, you know, who Brian knows so well after coaching him at New England. I do think this is a stouter defense, especially in the front seven, uh, than, than maybe their statistics might lead the Seahawks to believe. And so if they are able to do just throw the ball at will the way they have. I think that's going to be the route they'll go. But if the weather is a factor and if Chris Carson is unable to play, then it remains to be seen if it's just going to be Carlos Hyde or if either one of those former University of Miami backs, uh, you know, in Travis Homer or DJ Dallas is able to make their triumphant return uh, to Miami. That, that will be interesting as well. 
I'm glad that you're bringing up the homecoming aspect because I hadn't even thought about that. This is a great chance coming back to Miami for Dallas and Homer to make an impact. And if Chris Carson doesn't play, those two are going to get their snaps on the field. And if it's raining outside, they're going to feel like they're right at home. They're used to playing in those conditions. And so that is something Russell Wilson has struggled with in the past is throwing the football in the rain, which is ironic being a quarterback in Seattle. But that has been an issue for him in the past. If that's going on, you may see them lean more in that ground game and Miami is going to be cognizant of what Wilson and those receivers have done that might make it a little more difficult for them to be able to stop the running game last matchup really quick I want to point out this Dolphins team has really struggled getting after the passer this year they do have more sacks than what the Seahawks do they've got seven of them in the year but not near as many quarterback hits not near as good of a pressure percentage. So it's really been a struggle for them. Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson were signed in free agency, and they haven't gotten anything out of Lawson. Ogba's got one sack. So the two of them in three weeks haven't really been a factor as pass rushers. That being said, these guys were both fairly high draft picks. Lawson was a first-rounder. Ogba was drafted, I believe, in the second round. These two guys have talent. And Dwayne Brown and Brandon Shell, as well as they've played, They did give up some pressures last week to Alden Smith as well as Demarcus Lawrence. Those two guys, I think, are better talents, but this still could be a matchup where if the Dolphins can finally get something going, I could see Ogba and Lawson, two athletic edge rushers, finding their way to Russell Wilson a handful of times in this football game. Oh, I I could as well. And I mentioned Kyle Van Noy previously. He currently leads the Dolphins with with two sacks. And, And that's the thing is that the, the Miami Dolphins are generally going to run a 3-4 base. And, and most, uh, most of what the Seahawks have seen over the first three weeks has generally been a 4-3 base. Now, you know, that, we're, we're using terminology here that's a bit outdated. Every team essentially runs hybrid stuff right now. But with, with Brian Flores, again, previously serving underneath uh, Bill Belichick in New England, who they obviously have, have, have often run a 3-4. Kyle Van Noy is very effective as an edge rusher off the side Andrew Van Ginkle another one um, uh, another outside linebacker is also effective in that Jerome Baker the speedy inside linebacker is the one that I'm a little bit more concerned about in terms of the running game I was remiss in not mentioning him a moment ago in talking about the running game but yeah you're right and in terms of Emmanuel Ugba and, and certainly uh, with Shaq Lawson we're talking about two very talented defensive linemen but guys that are not necessarily the big pass rushers um, you know their job is to hold up at the point of attack. Shaq Lawson's especially good at that. Real big physical guy. Kind of reminds me of LJ Collier in that his game is his power. Um, but at the same time, uh, I don't think that they necessarily are going to be able to create the consistent pass rush that, say, the Dallas Cowboys had a week ago with their four sacks of Russell Wilson. So if the Seahawks are able to give Russell Wilson protection, we've seen what number three has been able to do so far this season. Pass protection, always the number one key when you're talking about your offense and trying to get the football downfield, something the Seahawks love to do. This should be a matchup that favors their offensive line, but again, weather conditions are going to be something to monitor. When we come back in the third quarter, changing gears, we're going to go to the defensive side of the football. The Seahawks have been struggling over there, but they've been able to get stops when they needed to. On paper, maybe not as explosive of an offense they're going up against with the Miami Dolphins, but still plenty of weapons to be cognizant of. So we're going to look at Seahawks defense against Dolphins offense when we return you're listening to the locked on seahawks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, along with Rob Rang. Happy Wednesday to all of our listeners. Last quarter, we were looking at Seahawks offensive matchups to watch as they travel to Miami to face the Dolphins. Now we're going to talk a bit about the Seahawks defense, changing gears up a little bit here. This has actually been kind of a surprise. I think part of it's just because the Seahawks have struggled so much defending wide receivers, but normally... They struggle against tight ends this year. They've given up less than 10 receptions to tight ends, just 109 yards and a single touchdown. They're among the league's best at defending the tight end, which is so strange because almost every other year under Pete Carroll, it's been the opposite. They haven't been able to stop tight ends, but they've held the held up pretty well against receivers. That being said, I think they're playing the best tight end that they have seen these first four weeks of the season. A player that's really coming into his own already has 12 receptions and a team-best two touchdowns for Miami in Mike Jusecki, the pride of Penn State. And Seattle might not have Jamal Adams this week to be able to go up against him. You might have Ryan Neal, maybe Ugo Amadi, the linebackers. There's a lot of different players that could end up lined up against Jusecki because he lines up all over the place. He can be an inline tight end. You can move him out to the slot play him outside even if you want to. Really athletic player that can make plays downfield. He strikes me as maybe the most important player for the Seahawks to be trying to defend in this game. Yeah, I'm happy that you mentioned Ryan Neal, who, of course, moved up for, from the practice squad, um, you know, and ended the Dallas Cowboys' hopes of pulling off that big comeback with the interception of Dak Prescott in the end zone. Um, so I think that Ryan Neal is the player that we definitely have to be focusing on right now because, you know, as you mentioned, Corbin, Jamal Adams is unlikely to be able to play. I think there's a possibility that another player off the practice squad, the Seahawks just signed Demarius Randall onto their practice squad. He was a former first-round pick by the Green Bay Packers out of Arizona State a couple of years ago, and he has a little bit of that positional versatility that you mentioned that, that Ryan Neal or, or, or other players in the Seahawks might be forced to employ just because uh, Gusecki is as, as, as versatile as he is, lining up as a traditional tight end, going out, uh, playing an H-back role as well as uh, lining up outside as a traditional wide receiver. Uh, and so any of those players, I think, are, are going to be um, basically tasked with trying to slow down this this young pass catcher for the Miami Dolphins, who's a former second-round pick, really is starting to kind of build up some momentum. Um, and, and you mentioned the fact that the Seahawks have been so bad against the tight end historically. And I ask you to think about the tight ends that they've played so far this year. We, we know that New England Patriots were, at one point, known for having stellar tight end play, but they don't necessarily have that now. And Cam Newton at least hasn't shown uh, a willingness to, to really – focus in on their tight ends the Dallas Cowboys of course same kind of thing they had a they used to have a a Hall of Fame caliber tight end in Jason Witten but they now they got Dalton Schultz you know a young player still kind of you know cutting his teeth in the NFL and the most gifted was Hayden Hurst with the Atlanta Falcons but that was his very first game after no training camp at least not a real training camp in preseason to develop any kind of rapport with Matt Ryan so this is the first time the Seahawks are going to be going up against a legitimately talented tight end a legitimately talented quarterback who wants who 
features the tight end. Um, and again, at a position that the Seahawks have given up a lot of yards to, and they don't have their big sheriff in the secondary right now in Jamal Adams. So I think that you are absolutely starting off with the key matchup from a Seahawks perspective, making sure they can slow down Miami's tight end, Mike Gusecki. Yeah, I think Gusecki could be the player like we've seen the last couple weeks in New England. It was Julian Edelman last week. Ironically, Cedric Wilson had a huge game, but they, their other receivers were chipping in as well. The Seahawks couldn't stop any of them consistently in the afternoon. I think Gusecki is probably the guy that the Seahawks going in game planning, they're going to have to have circled as this is a player we cannot let go off because if he does, it could be a long afternoon. He's having a really good season. And I would be remiss not to mention the other receivers that they've got because I've been impressed with what I've seen from Preston Williams. He's coming off an injury that ended his rookie season, but he's a really talented young receiver. They've got Devontae Parker, former first-round pick, has finally had some good health and starting to play at a really high level. And maybe the guy that I don't know why, but he scares me the most this week, given the issues Seattle has had with receivers running open and creating after the catch, He's small, but he's very fast, and that's Jakeem Grant, who could also make an impact on special teams as a returner. He is a player that, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm a little bit worried about, given the struggles they've had, and we don't know who's going to be out there at corner either. Still up in the air if Quentin Dunbar is going to be back this week. It could be Trey Flowers for a second week. Trey Flowers going up against somebody like a Preston Williams or even Jakeem Grant with his speed that he brings to the table, that might be a matchup the Seahawks are a little bit concerned about. It should, they should be, because uh, you're absolutely right to, to highlight Jakeem Grant. I mean, this guy's just a little jitterbug. He, he's short, but he's quick. He has elite straight line speed, um, kind of like the, the tight end. These are guys that we talked about before. You know, one of the things that we were concerned about with the way that the cow, the way that the Seahawks secondary played against the Cowboys is that there were some, uh, you know, I would I would just say kind of average pursuit angles um, and, and some average tackling in in the back half. Uh, the, the Miami Dolphins have enough guys that that can make somebody miss and take it to the house. Um, and so, just considering the way that Seattle has struggled to defend in that regard here recently. I think that that is something to be concerned about. Grant being one of them, uh, Devontae Parker being one of them. And then one other receiver that I would mention as well is Isaiah Ford. He wound up being an undrafted free agent of Virginia Tech, but, but he was a really savvy player. Um, and, and he is a guy that, that has 11 catches for 103 yards. He's, he's Miami's number three receiver at this point. As you just mentioned with like the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, and some of the guys that, that were able to be effective for them like a Cedric Wilson that we weren't necessarily focusing on before if there is somebody that that kind of jumps up out of nowhere I think that Ford and Grant would be the two receivers for the Dolphins that the Seahawks absolutely better be paying attention to if you want to eliminate all those weapons on the outside or try to neutralize them then maybe just maybe this is the week that we see the pass rush come to life a little bit because the Miami Dolphins, Austin Jackson, we talked about him a ton in the pre-draft process as maybe a guy the Seahawks might look at as a future replacement for Dwayne Brown. There were questions about him being a fit at right tackle. And I think so far Seattle's made a decent choice there. Brandon Shell's playing well, but that's beside the point. Austin Jackson, a very athletic, talented young man that has already become a starter for the Dolphins at left tackle but he's still a rookie. And then on the other side, Jesse Davis, who's bounced around. He was with the 49ers. He actually spent a brief cup of tea with the Seahawks as well. He is their starting right tackle. So he's gone from being a guy that was a practice squad player to now being a starting right tackle in the NFL. Great story, but 
If you can't get pressure off the edge in this game, when you're going against a rookie that still has some issues at times with play strength, and then a guy like Jesse Davis has been a journeyman, if Benson Mayoa, LJ Collier, and company, Collier has been so close to getting his first sack all three games. He's been very disruptive. He's been making some things happen as far as pushing the pocket, getting to the quarterback. Just hasn't been able to quite get that sack. Maybe this is the week that we see him get to Ryan Fitzpatrick and bring him down a little bit, uh, bring him down. I don't know. We'll see. I just think that this matchup favors their pass rush on the outside, especially with Alton Robinson, how well he played in his debut last weekend. You get those three guys going there, maybe some Shaquem Griffin action off the edge as well. I just think this is an area that they absolutely have to exploit. And If you're able to get a lot of pressure off the edge, consistently you can force Ryan Fitzpatrick we've been seeing this for 15 years you can force him into some really bad decisions and he will unload a bunch of interceptions so this is a great opportunity I think for them to do that in this pass rush to maybe find a little life I think so uh as you mentioned Austin Jackson the starting left tackle he was a first round pick and a player that we were or at least I was very very high on we talked a lot about him as possibly being somebody that the Seahawks would target um, now I again I am very very high in this young man I think two three years down the road we are going to be talking about an absolute franchise cornerstone for the Miami Dolphins along with their first first round pick they used to attack Viola who unfortunately is uh, unlikely to be able to play in this game not only because Fitzpatrick has been playing well but also Tua has been dealing with some illness um, now with Austin Jackson this is a guy that is still very raw though I mean while he has a great deal of talent he has as light a feet as you're ever going to see a 300 pound man have at the same time his technique is up and down and all over the place and so I do think that that is something the Seahawks are going to be able to take advantage of um, so I would be expect the, the Seahawks to be able to have some pressure off of the left side and then at the right side position as you mentioned with Jesse Davis again it is a great story and I am rooting for him but at the same time I also don't believe that he necessarily is equipped to handle the physicality that he's going to get from LJ Collier possibly from Rasheem Green I, I think that the Seahawks have something here going we talked about before with the the Miami Dolphins return with Travis Homer and DJ Dallas what about the Shaquem and Shaquille Griffin guys you know coming back to UCF area I, I think that they also are going to be looking to make some splashy plays and then one last player Tim Williams, a former early round draft pick out of the University of Alabama, really intriguing guy at the Seahawks signed to their practice squad. Uh, he's another player that I think that possibly that Seattle might look to to see what he can might be able to bring their pass rush. And so all of these guys, I, I think the Seahawks, this is the game where the Seahawks should be able to get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback. He is not the mobile threat, of course, uh, that a Cam Newton or a Dak Prescott was. Now, he is very smart. And I think you're going to see a lot of little dunk, you know, little dink and dunk kind of passes if Seattle is able to get pressure. But as long as they tackle, that should be able to allow the defense to kind of swarm around the Miami Dolphins and be able to keep that offense under wraps. And the Seahawks should be able to, I don't know, maybe go into the fourth quarter with the actual sizable lead that they can maintain. That's the key. They've had a sizable lead the last two weeks, and they haven't been able to take advantage of it. And the games have ended up going down to the wire 
Hopefully, they're not going to have another cardiac arrest-inducing game coming up here. But we'll continue to break this down coming up tomorrow. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your preferred podcasts by visiting our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. I will be joining Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins for our crossover Thursday coming up here as we continue to dissect All the fine details in this matchup. Seahawks and Dolphins, first time playing since 2016. Should be a really good game down in South Florida. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.